Welcome to our latest podcast. Today I'll be talking to Fifth Step CEO Darren Ray about the importance of a holistic approach to IT governance. Now, IT governance is today a part of most businesses' everyday operations, and sometimes it's done well, uh, sometimes it's done less well. But with the increasing alignment in regulatory requirements around the world, uh, well, there's never been a better time, really, to ensure that you have a holistic and proportionate approach to IT governance. So, Darren, what is uh, IT governance in a nutshell? Hi, Chris. Um, Well... It's really ensuring that there's a business oversight at the simplest level. It's about ensuring there's a business oversight um, over the um, IT function and making sure that IT is strategically and tactically aligned with the direction of the business, making sure that things are in the right place and that uh, IT is also adhering to some of the the regulations, so from IT governance and regulation. Uh, requirements. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so are there different types of IT governance? There are. Um, there are many different types and we'll cover off um, some of them uh, today um, just to give uh, people a flavour and how they can interact and how they overlap. Um, the first one let's talk about is um, strategic oversight. So strategic oversight is the, uh, the high level oversight of the direction um, of IT and ensuring that that is aligned with the business. Yeah. So ensuring that um, from the high level that um, IT is providing the, the, the functions and uh, the capacity and the capabilities that the business are looking for, and that the, the IT are correctly interpreting interpret, interpreting <laughs> the... Uh, you see, in a more professional podcast, Chris, we'd cut that out, obviously. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll just keep going, though. We'll get there one day. Yeah, we'll get there one day, exactly. Um, uh, yeah, but the, uh, the IT is interpreting the requirements, the business requirements, more precisely or as precisely as the as the business understands them at that point yeah. in time. So ensuring that if the business is intending to grow or to double in size, for example, in the next two years, that IT is understanding that, planning that, and uh, executing on that strategy. Yeah. And that the business is there at the uh, IT strategy level, uh, helping and assisting with that. So that could be even, because we were talking earlier actually before this podcast, uh, so I, I work in, you know, in, my, in my business, I, I'm a marketing person and a, a PR. So you PR say, Chris, yeah. allegedly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, so, I mean, in terms of the IT department and the CIO, this would come very much under the remit of you know, strategic oversight and uh, aligning the business with the needs of IT. So you could potentially help marketing directors or chief marketing officers to promote the business better. Absolutely, Chris. And and as you know, one of the things I talk about a lot is how uh, historically IT used to be considered... Um, almost separate, separate, a separate part of the business, and um, you know, a service provider to the business. Um, you know, certainly in my past, that was a very common model uh, for organisations to follow. The the model that I promote and the fifth step um, you know promotes um, in our advice to our clients is actually more about ensuring the CIO, uh, the Chief Information Officer, and the IT are actually working in uh, an integrated, integral part of the business. So. Absolutely, the CIO um, or the head of IT, um, you know, the most senior person within the IT uh, department, should be working with supporting all parts of the business, and of course, that includes um, the marketing team. Well, it, it, when I was working before I set up my own business, I mean, this was three, four years ago, and I was the head of communications at a top ten global broker, and it never even occurred to me, and I don't think it ever occurred to the, the technology team there, the IT team. 
never wanted the right approach, but I'm just saying, well, how can we help you with your digital sort of marketing strategy? Yeah. And I say, and I know having you know, been working around, say, the insurance market, uh, I know pretty much that that's still going on today. So. And that's a, very much a loss uh, for the organisations in question because um, IT, ha- uh, you know, IT and IT capabilities um, have, um, can, uh, can make the job of digital transformation uh, far easier. Now, doesn't mean that um, IT is responsible for that. Um, some organisations, that may be the case if the Chief Information Officer has a background in that. Some organisations have the position of Chief Digital Officer. Mm. And many other organisations will combine those roles or split those roles between um, a Marketing Officer or CMO um, in some organisations and the Chief Information Officer. The trouble is that when in those kind of organisations where the roles are split, yeah. then it's not necessarily communicated that this function this function can operate as one in other organisations and actually have to put well, it They're still siloed, aren't they? I mean, because mm-hmm. basically, you know, if, you, if, you're, if you're looking at the, from the front end of the business in terms of the promotion side, right to the back end when you're linking it with the CRM, mm-hmm. I mean, that's all very much an IT sort of led function in a way, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, there's there's the operational functionality and uh, making sure that the, um, you know, that the organisation has uh, the capabilities, um, you know, to access the systems and things like that. Yeah. And, you know, and and how, um, how that piece works. But there's also the vision piece and, you know, the, some of the stuff um, that we've um, spoken about before around you know the creative CIO and becoming yeah, right. yeah. Um, becoming innovative and helping the organisation solve its challenges through um, uh, out of the box and I hesitate to use that term uh, but out of the box thinking and a different approaches rather than going with the oh we're going to do A B and C because that's what we always do you know is there a different approach is there an innovative approach should there be. Yeah, so I think you, well, you mentioned systems. Uh, I think that's probably something a point that needs to be touched on. So, but who who, who owns the systems in this uh, IT government? Yeah, well, so I very much um, uh, am an advocate for the system ownership model. Um, so, system ownership is really um, having a um, typically like a head of department or something like that who is. Um, the system owner. So this is a business person uh, who is a system owner uh, for that system. So it may be for uh, finance department, for example, you may have the, the, the CFO or the head of finance, someone along those lines, um, who would be responsible for um, the accounts receivable system or the general ledger or something like that. Um, now, their responsibilities are to obviously work with other parts of the business, including IT, but to define the, the needs and the functionality and the expectations from that system. And things like the um, uh, how uh, resilient the system needs to be, um, you know, what their, uh, the recovery time objectives are and what the recovery point objectives are, which are business continuity terms. You know, how quickly do we want to be able to bring the system back up after a, after a failure? And it's really about working with other parts of the business to ensure that um, the resiliency of that system is known, the good and the bad times to make changes within that system are known. So, you know, don't do upgrades right before Christmas in a, you know, in a retail business. Yeah. Um, you know, you're going to want to delay those until after the, you know, after the busy period. And whether that be in insurance, 
insurance or retail or you know some other industry, most industries have a uh, a peak time of the year or a particularly quiet time of the year if there's not a peak. You know, if there's not a specific peak. Sure. Can that be sort of codified or, or written? You know, is there is there a way that you recommend this written down? And sort of, you know, I know you're very keen on evidence thing. Yeah, certainly. Um, you should have a terms of reference um, that defines the roles and responsibilities of um, you know of the system owner. But you should also keep, um, create a system ownership document as well, and that um, will cover off all of those points and and you know and some others uh, that I've talked about there. But that um, you know that document then can be used by IT and can be used by other uh, areas too. But it really starts to define. Um, and help the organisation understand the importance of that system to the to the entire organisation. And you know, in a worst case scenario where you're in a business continuity event, actually, what the priority is of bringing some of these systems back up again. Mm. You know, if there's a system that can be down for you know a couple of days, perhaps because um, you know it's not end of month. Let's say it's a financial system. It's not end of month. Um, you know, it's not end of year or anything like that. Perhaps the finance team um, have. You know, put themselves in a position where they say, well, it's far more important that we get email up or get something else up. In other businesses, they might, uh, yeah, they, they might not know that and they may be working, slaving away, trying to bring the, uh, the finance system back up and running first. And meanwhile, email's still down and everyone's unable to communicate with one another. Yeah. So that's for those kind of things. Okay. Um, so where does you know, data uh, fit in? To all of this, or you know, what, what, what this is obviously going to be playing a key, key part of the organization. Mm. Well, well, data is the lifeblood of any organization, it's a bit of a, um, you know, a trite uh, way of saying it, I guess, but it absolutely is, and it's under recognized, under appreciated, um, under uh, respected um, sometimes. But the um, uh, data ownership is the you know, the mechanism that uh, that we talk about um, in. in in promoting uh, data governance, if you like, um, so it's um, and it's only it's only part of the answer. It's not the entire answer. But data ownership um, is about um, having again nominated um, owners who are responsible for um, you know certain types of data, and it's usually aligned with the with the uh, with a particular system. Yeah. Um, again, so it could be the same person as a system owner. You may not necessarily always want them to be uh, completely aligned, though. But it's really about ensuring that the metrics for what um, you know what quality uh, means in the data, uh, governing the rules around how the data is changed if it needs to be changed, um, uh, gov uh, governing how. Um, uh, Changes in the structure of the data. You know, if there's updates to a system to be made, um, you know, an in-house system, for example, governing how um, how they're made and what needs to be uh, tested and how uh, how that needs to be done. Uh, a, a data owner would get involved in all of those conversations and take um, and taking a very active part in that kind of conversation. So, where where are organisations going wrong? Have you seen any examples that really stood out? You know, or, or, or the spoken to colleagues or peers who've seen rural howlers that you know where people have, in terms of people managing and governing their data uh, organizations um, are are not necessarily governing their data particularly well at the mm -hmm. moment um, some of them are going through uh, process uh, processes at the moment to um, improve that because we've got um, in Europe, at least, we've got uh, the General Data Protection Regulation. Yep. So a lot of people are looking at their data governance because that's called into question by GDPR. Um, they're looking at that and wondering how um, they need to structure it slightly differently. 
Um, so um, ways that people are making mistakes, um, I would say that a good deal of um, people listening to this, um, their organisations probably will not have um, you know, a data governance um, structure. Whether it's uh, structured in the way of a, uh, of a data owner, that's, that's one way of doing it, um, and the way that I, I actually uh, um, promote, but whether it's in the shape of a data owner or if it's another um, another format, many organisations will not have that. Um, many organisations, you know, having worked in, you know, in the corporate world for like 20 odd years myself now, um, I mean, lots of organisations are still very siloed, aren't they? There's still a, very much a siloed mentality. So, is, is, this, is this part of what you're trying to get across here in terms of that holistic framework, bringing that all together? That's, that's got to be key now, I, I imagine. Yeah, uh, yeah, I mean. That's a big uh, job, though, isn't it? It's a massive job, and it, uh, it's a massive job to break down silos and to bring um, people together. But it's a people challenge, uh, and that's why, you know, we've spoken about on these podcasts before. We've spoken about how um, organisations and the CIOs in particular need to be promoting the presence of um, IT within the um, you know within the business. Okay, and um, that doesn't mean that you break down um, IT as a department. It just means that. Um, the role of the CIO is no longer just about keeping the IT running. It's actually about creating a business efficient and effective IT department and allowing the, the CIO or the head of IT to spend more time with their colleagues um, and in actually understanding what what is driving the business. That brings up IT a point. Now. I mean, I, I was uh, reading the, the, late, the nearly the final draft of your book. The, oh, the, the CIO, uh, the new book. Your new book, the CIO Navigator. Yes. Um, and that was an interesting point you made there. Is that you reckon that um, CIOs should spend what, about twenty percent of their time outside? Yeah. It was up, up to twenty percent or twenty yeah. percent of the time outside of the IT embedded in in the business, more or less. Yeah, and there'll be organisations for which twenty percent is um, is too much or too big a step. So you know, it's uh, um, you know. Twenty percent should be, you know, an initial target. If you're already spending more than twenty percent, fantastic. That may mean that you're, you know, ahead of your peers um, in that respect. Um, now, twenty percent. The reason twenty percent was chosen is because it's about a day a week, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it doesn't mean that you have to spend, you know, every Friday just sitting in the business. That's not what it's about. It's about actually spending time with your, um, you know, with your colleagues and your peers in other parts of the business. And twenty percent being a, uh, you know, a reasonable figure. Um, for that to be. Surely any reasonable CIO would just spend 100, 120% of their time working six days a <laughs> that, that has been an expectation for <laughs> CIOs in the past, having held uh, you know, those kind of positions. I can, I can vouch for that having been um, the, the expectation in the past. But you know, what, we're trying to, you know, what we're trying to do, and yeah. certainly what I'm trying to promote in the, in the book, is that organisations look, um, you know, look at how... Uh, they want the organisation to grow and how they want to be innovative and how the different skills um, around that organisation, including those of the, the CIO, um, are critical to bring forward and to, um, uh, you know, it's critical that you have a balanced team and a mixed team yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. with all kinds of skills and diversity as well in order to get the best out of so the delegation, effectively, as well. Yeah, delegation and empowering your team to be able to work um, without you during those 20% times, of course, 
um, and um, making sure that the organisation is getting the benefit of the, the problem solving and analytical skills. Well, I suppose the, 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 the other benefit, if you're spending that 20% of the time, as you say, but you can allocate that 20% of the time to other people to develop their skills and you know, take on extra responsibilities and grow their, grow their knowledge base. Yeah, it's a win-win-win situation yeah. really, Chris. It expands the CIO, um, expands them, uh, increases their their knowledge about the business, include, uh, increases their um, presence and reputation within the business, and as you say, allows um, the uh, the opportunity for the team to grow as well. Yeah, yeah. So we've we've talked uh, in the past about pro you know, project management and uh, change management. Uh, so is, would would you recommend adopting this as part of a sort of a, a PMO sort of? service or, or yeah uh, I mean PR, um, so project governance um, you know uh, PMOs can have uh, an input into that um, I tend to think of PMO as um, sort of like a, a spectrum if you like um, and different organizations when they talk about PMO will um, will mean slightly different things so um, the opposite end of the spectrum if you like uh, one end you've got administrative PMO so those who are helping with uh, arranging meetings and taking meeting minutes and things like that. At the other end of the PMO scale, you've got um, the uh, the governance and maintenance of governance and standards and procedures. Yeah. Now, in my mind, the the, the best um, uh, PMO actually consists of you know is midway along that spectrum, or perhaps slightly to the left or slightly to right, depending on the the organisation's needs. But um, ideally, not at one ex extreme or the other. Now, what that really uh, means is that uh, you know, a PMO department can help with the administration, but they can also keep you on track yeah. and monitor your, your governance. But the PMO isn't the uh, means of implementing the governance or maintaining the governance. They are really reporters um, upon the, uh, the governance metrics, if you like. So uh, implementing uh, governance is really about implementing project boards um, okay. and ensuring that they are represented by... Um, by, uh, by those within the business and particularly uh, those who are uh, promoting a, a new project are those from within the business who uh, can speak about why the project is important, why the business case is going to be met um, and how the business case is going to be met. So would that be sort of half the IT team and half the business? No, typically it will be. Um, no, typically it will be um, far more uh, business orientated. Perhaps even as much as um, you know, eighty twenty. Um, you know, well, favour favour the business. business. Oh, right. yeah, absolutely, yeah. Because what we're saying here is that um, you know, whilst uh, I said earlier on that uh, IT shouldn't regard itself as a service provider, um, in this respect, I sort of go back on that a little bit. In that, IT is there to actually um, to do the work and to help and assist the business in uh, meeting its. Um, strategic and tactical obligations sure. um, uh, and targets. So, in in doing that, you want people from the business to actually be there to decide. Well, you know, um, you know, Bob from uh, the accounts team is saying that actually, if we if we change this system, um, it's going to improve our ability to um, get paid. Um, you know, it's going to mean that uh, we'll, we'll get paid five days earlier. Well, yeah. you know, do we believe Bob's analysis? Do we believe the business case? Do we believe it's going to save us as much money as that? And is that important to us? Yeah, you know, sure. um, you know, are we already getting paid within um, ten days, and actually getting paid within five days perhaps isn't going to make as much difference? Okay. Yeah. Uh, we've talked a lot about the business. We've talked about single you know, businesses in, the, in themselves, but obviously in a world of outsourcing and working with suppliers and partners, I mean, did, how does this sort of overlap with the, the, the decisions you might have to make about outsourcing or bringing people in? 
same uh, same aspect really. If you're outsourcing any of your um, your projects or any of these responsibilities, now um, you remember my favourite one of my favourite sayings, Chris. Uh, I know you're looking at me well, blankly. Not um, the rude one. No, 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 can't say that. Um, uh, that my, one of my favourite sayings. Up, you have. Um, one of my favourite sayings is you can outsource the function and not the responsibility. Yeah. So in outsourcing the function, um, what you're actually doing is saying, right, well, we've approved this business case, we've approved um, the, uh, the direction, and now we're actually asking someone to implement what we've asked for. So if you're outsourcing that, okay, what you have to do then is to be able to you know, measure and monitor the, the success of that uh, project, whether it be outsourced or insourced. Be yep, perfectly yep. honest, but if it's outsourced, it takes slightly different skills to actually um, you know, measure and monitor um, you know, an organisation on the outside of a um, you're on the outside rather than on the okay, inside. Measure the function. So I knew you were going to get the F word in there somewhere. <laughs> 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 but okay, so in, t in terms of uh, IT governance, so how do you know, different areas of IT governance over that? I mean, uh, they, that's uh, that's the key thing. They all fit together um, a bit like a jigsaw. So, you know, one of the aspects is um, you know data governance. For example, you can do a whole exercise to ensure that you've got good data governance for your um, for your current systems. Let's say in your current um, data. Right. But what about if um, you implement a new system in a couple of months' time? Well, suddenly now, if, unless you have good project governance and good connect connectivity between the data governance requirements and the project governance requirements, actually what happens is now you've only got coverage for 90% of your system because you've now implemented a new system mm -hmm. that hasn't got all the data governance coverage. Okay. So what you have to do is update um, uh, and cross-populate between the various governance requirements to ensure that in the, um, the project governance asks the question of the data governance what requirements do you have? And, and likewise, the data governance is informing. Okay. Well, I think that's pretty much a, a, a wrap, really. I mean, I think we've just, you know, you've, you've outlined the importance of a holistic approach to IT governance. Uh, I hope all our listeners have found that uh, enlightening and uh, Darren's convinced you of the importance <laughs> of adopting this approach. Um, but obviously, there, there are, um, this, this will be posted um, as a, uh, a blog at some point as well on the. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Uh, yeah more, there'll be more detail. We always cover a little bit more detail in the blogs um, because, uh, well, because we can. And, then, and also, we wander around a little bit on the podcast because um, that's the nature of having a, a conversation, and that's very much what we want to do on the podcast. Yeah. So, obviously, if you want to uh, read that, maybe we have our, our Fifth Sense um, section of the uh, Fifth Step website. For all those who don't know what the address for that is, it's www.fifthsdep.com. Um, of course, and you can pick up regular updates on Twitter. Darren's pretty prolific as a blogger on his LinkedIn site, so if you want to hook into Darren's LinkedIn, I recommend that people do that. Yep, great. And uh, yeah, please um, do um, your comment or, um, or tweet us if you've got any topics or questions on any of the topics we've already covered. Um, you know, please do do that and reach out to us either on LinkedIn or, or on Twitter. You can find us on Twitter um, at uh, Fifth Step, and that's all, all words and all one word. I think also a good point we need to plug the fact that we've got a, you've got a couple of books coming up, haven't you, really? So uh, the, the first one, which 
I don't know if I'm allowed to mention the, the, the first or the, we've mentioned the CIO Navigator. But yeah, so the CIO, CIO Navigator will be out probably um, by the time that's uh, published proper, that'll be out uh, probably by the end of the summer, so just missing the opportunity for people to read it on the beach, I guess. Yeah. Um, I think that's probably uh, uh, probably the best. Um, and then... Well, you can um, put it on their Christmas card shopping. Just got they there. can, there, there you go. Yeah. That's <laughs> nicely done, Chris. Um, and then uh, there's a... Um, uh, um, uh, uh, an e-book and uh, will come out as a Kindle book and um, be released on Amazon um, over the next uh, should be over the next couple of weeks. And um, the working title for that at the moment is uh, the little the little book of GDPR, so the little book of General Data Protection Regulation. Um, that will be out on uh, on Amazon. But um, if you're following us on Twitter or on LinkedIn, uh, you'll obviously see, detail, see details of that uh, coming out. But uh, that'll probably be over the next couple of weeks. Quick publishing process. Look forward to that. They're becoming a prolific uh, author as well these days. Well, there I we go. I don't know where you fit the time in. Really don't. Well, just don't sleep, Chris. That's the answer. Vampire. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I think that concludes. Thanks, thanks for that today, Darren. Yeah. Thanks very much, Chris. Yeah. Bye.